This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 165 of the Stable Scoop Radio Show. Certified winnies. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. Our sponsors are Equestrian Collections. You can find them at equestriancollections.com. Also, Uncle Jimmy's brand products. Look for him and his hanging balls at uncle-jimmys.com. And, of course, Kentucky Performance Products at kppusa.com. Welcome to the Stable School. With weekly shows delivered right to you. With Helena and Glenn the Geek, live from the stable, it's every week. We'll bring you the news through hell, hot water, while using their tails as their own fly swatters. So sit on down and laugh till your poop, cause it's time again for Stable School. Stable scoop. Stable scoop. This is Glenn the Geek. And this is Helena B. And you're listening to the Stable Scoop Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. Well, howdy, Helena. Hi, Glenn. It's good to be with you again. I know. When we did a little video chat earlier, I actually got to see you for the first time in a about eight months. I know, and we got to look at each other's offices, and, and I felt much better because mine wasn't the only one that was messy. And you were making fun of me about that. Uh, I, I, mine is not that bad, although I can't close my closet door. That's a problem. No, there's too much That's, crap on the floor. So I got crap all over the floor, too, but it's just spread out. It's not, it's not in the closet door. <laughs> I have a pile on my desk, though, that uh, when I piled the last little pile of stuff on it today, it fell over. So that's oh. my guide is when the and pile it, falls it, over, it's time to clean it up. Did it cascade? Yes. That's <laughs> the worst. A million paper pickup. <laughs> so, what's the weirdest thing on the floor in your office right now? The cat? Oh, oh, that's the weirdest thing you have? You know our cat. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. I have, mine, is, mine would be either a bag of shredded paper or a moldy saddle. <laughs> or the ukulele. You, okay, ukulele's unusual. I don't know. That's definitely unusual. Yeah. 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 Not everybody has a ukulele in their office. No, ukulele, I have glue sticks. What do you do with the ukulele? Peter bought it for Grace to learn how to play. And how'd that go? Yeah, right. <laughs> well, at least it wasn't the drums. <laughs> no, he's played it more than she has. I would love for her to play the drums. I'm a drum fan. I don't know the last time I heard a ukulele. They're it, really beautiful sounding. Isn't that computer. what Tiny Tim used to play in the old days? Yeah. Wasn't that a ukulele? Yeah. Isn't that the Hawaiian instrument? No, no. I think, t- yeah. Ukulele is a horn. I don't know what Tiny Tim used to it play. It has he a real a squeaky man. little sound. Looks like a teeny little uh, guitar or something. Yes, it's a teeny tiny little sound. Maybe Don Ho played it too. I don't know. It's beautiful. Yes, it's beautiful. Um, yeah, that's what I'm thinking about. I just looked it up. That's what I'm thinking about. It's like okay. a miniature guitar. Tiny Tim is creepy though. Creepy yeah, man. Yeah, that's true. Was creepy man. Is he still alive? No, I think he died a long time okay. ago. All right, let's talk about horses. Um, we're going to talk about horses today. We're going to get right to it. 
let's see here. We got coming on the show today, we have Christy Landwer. She is with the chief executive. I hope I didn't mess up her last name. I think I get it wrong every time. Uh, she's the chief executive officer of the Certified Horsemanship Association, and she's going to be on with the past chief executive officer of the Certified Horsemanship Association, Tara Gamble. And Tara is now known for giving clinics and uh, teaching certified horsemanship around the world. And she's a master teacher. So she's going to be on with us, and hopefully we'll learn something because we both need help. <laughs> yes, we do. And only a master could help us. That's true. Yeah, nobody lower than that even has a chance. <laughs> <laughs> Just go back to school and get That's that advanced right. <laughs> instructor's See, Students doctorate. should come with classifications, too. And that's, you know, how teachable are you? Uh, and, we, we talk about this with horses all the time, Janelle. I, I say, how, how trainable is he or that's she? That's true. Well, so we should students be rated the same way? And that determines what level of, of teacher you get. We have to bring this up with them. Okay. This is an area that needs discussed. Okay. And then also, we have a great product for you later on with the Tack and Habit that I did an interview while we were at the last show. And I think you're going to like this one. We had to hold off on this one because we had to wait till it got warm enough to talk about them. So, <laughs> Timing is everything. Summer. It's been summer down here still. I don't know about you. It is. Well, I was in the ocean the uh, day before yesterday. Really? It was 84 degrees here uh, for about two days. And then it was 80 degrees. So, you know, somewhere around 80 degrees for about three days in a row. And uh, the ocean was nice and warm. All three of us went in, Peter, Grace, and I. Really? Mm-hmm. I went in your ocean up there in New England like twice, and it was freezing even in August. Um, it, it's all relative? Well, it depends on where you are. If you went in the ocean up on the North Shore, it's always cold. Okay. Cause the, so it's uh, warmer down in Rhode Island where you are? Yeah, where, we're, where we are in Rhode Island, the water's much warmer because the Gulf Stream actually hits the area ah, okay. up in uh, the North Shore of Mass in, in that you sort get of... the Arctic Canadian Gulf Stream. The Gulf Stream doesn't even <laughs> hit there because of the way that the, the geography of the land, the Gulf Stream never has a chance to come into the, uh, the Cape, Cape Ann, and warm the waters up. So it always stays in the 60s. Down here, we had some really warm temperatures this year, you know, uh, ocean temperatures. Yeah, up there in so it was about when you went in the water, you really expected to see an iceberg floating offshore. I know. <laughs> and we used to laugh because, you know, by the time up on the North Shore, by the time you could go in the water, it was August. You know, it was freezing until then. And then you had maybe two days where it was above 65 right. degrees. And right. you're like, this is warm. This is awesome. You you're shaking. Blue. You're blue. Yeah, this is fabulous. Well, I'm glad you got to do that. That's fun. That's that's good. All right, let's get to our show today, and why don't we just get started on it? Uh, we have a commercial to do, and then we're going to be back with our guests. Regular listeners to the Stable Scoop show know that Glenn and I just love Uncle Jimmy and his fantastic line of products. His treats have the highest quality ingredients, and that's why they've taken off like they have. I mean, of course, it all started with Uncle Jimmy's hanging balls for use in the stall, and then along came squeezy buns, which are my personal favorite. <laughs> And we do know that you need to reward your horse outside of his stall as well. So Uncle Jimmy developed Uncle Jimmy's Squeezy Buns. Uh, they are all natural, just like all of Uncle Jimmy's brand products. They're loaded with nutritional ingredients for your horse. And these actually also come in a sugar-free version. Unlike similar products on the market, these are uh, individually wrapped. So that preserves the freshness and, of course, eliminates mess, which I need all the help with that I can get. Um, they have, they have, uh, their prices are competitive. You know, you scour the catalogs and you'll see that 
Um, even though Uncle Jimmy's products are better, they're not priced higher. He has a quality guarantee. He is sure that you and your horse are going to love his products. Uh, these squeezy buns in particular promise to be a hit among horses, ponies, minis, and horse people alike. So if you want to learn more about Uncle Jimmy's brand products, go online to uncle-jimmys.com and you'll find lots of information there. All right, let's get to our guests. Well, we have Christy on the line here. Christy, I always, always get your name wrong, your last name. Can you say it again? Absolutely. Land where? Like, where is the land? Oh, see, now I'll remember it. Land where? Anna Twinney. I always want to say Twinney, and I've gotten hers wrong for three years, so you're in good company, Christy. (laughs) (laughs) He still gets my name wrong. (laughs) So, seriously. (laughs) <laughs> All right, uh, Christy, thank you so much for coming on with us again. And tell us a little bit, uh, for those that didn't get to hear you, you on our, our, our uh, program last year, we have a lot of new listeners, tell us what the Certified Horsemanship Association is and does. Absolutely. Um, our mission is to promote excellence in safety and education for um, the entire horse community, so a lot of uh, safe horsemanship and those types of things. And we do that in a variety of ways. We certify riding instructors. We're the largest certifying body in North America. Um, We also accredit equine facilities. And we also put on educational conferences uh, regionally. We have about 10% of our membership up in Canada and 90% in the U.S. And then we also put on an international conference every year. What do you... uh, So... Let's, we'll get to the certified uh, instructors, but you said also certified barns, farms? Yes, we, we accredit equine facilities. So mainly right now that's universities and colleges that have equine programs and horses there on site, um, camps, uh, trail ride operations, things like that. And what about and lesson what barns? Yeah. Yes, lesson barns, Absolutely. This new, is this relatively new? Sorry, Glenn, because yeah. I'm really excited about I know, this. I, didn't, I, I haven't heard of it either. Uh, like, I'm yeah, drooling been, over here. We've been doing it about two or three years pretty actively, and we just updated our standards manual um, just last year, so now we're going to start to hit it a little bit more heavily than you've seen in the past. Okay, so standards manual. This is something that, this is my favorite word is standards, and I know Glenn and Jennifer in particular have been hearing me complain about this or whine about it for years, is that... Um, is really there is no grown-up level of standard across equine teaching facilities throughout the United States. I mean, there's Pony Club, but a lot of um, if you're not in Pony Club, a lot of people just poo-poo it and don't really pay attention to it. So, if I'm hearing you correctly, CHA now has a list of standards that apply to equine facilities, so you can be like an accredited equine facility. That's correct. Okay. Give us yes. like some of the what are like like some of the top five standards that, that are included in your in your requirements list. Absolutely. We divide our standards book up into three main parts. There's program standards, there's site standards, and there's management standards. So just to give you an example, a site standard would be you don't want to use barbed wire around horses. Um, here's why you don't want to use it. You obviously don't want to use that for your arena fencing and possibly not for your stable fencing either unless you have thousands and thousands of acres and you're not going to have horses pushing fence, things like that. We go into footing. Um, we go into uh, structures of barns, um, things that are safe for bedding and stalls, things along those lines. That's fabulous. And, and now how many accredited sites do you have throughout the U.S. right now? We have about 200 right now and growing. 
Um, we just updated our standards manual last year, so we're starting to get the word out a little bit more now. Do you guys have any idea how many facilities fit into those categories total in the United States and Canada? Uh, what do you mean by that, Glenn? Is there like tens of thousands of, of uh Lesson barns, I'm sure. And, oh, I see what you said. Yeah. You know what? I would say tens of thousands if you include people that um, teach out of their backyard, because yeah. a lot of people do. A lot of people give riding lessons on just a couple of horses out of their own private home. Um, so you're probably looking at quite a few. Now, actual ones that operate for, you know, open to the public and advertise and do kind of the yellow page masses and things, probably a little bit less. But still, um, there are quite a few. And we get the word out in a, a variety of ways. I mean, obviously through our regions, it's the primary way. We have regional directors in each of our 11 regions that kind of help us um, target those that, that might be interested in, in getting accredited and possibly even becoming a host site to do um, our certification clinics, things like that. Mm. You know, this. Chrissy, the more you come on, the more I like the Certified Horsemanship <laughs> Association. <laughs> well, that's good. What are you going to come to our conference? <laughs> You know, I would you. love to. I first, I well, first, I got to become a member. Then I'm going to come to the conference. I think I'm going to dive into this pretty much with both feet. Um, I'm really, really impressed with uh, it's. You know, I'm sitting here and listening, and I'm reading through. I have um, the homepage of your website up right now, and um, I, I just see the benefit. For example, you have certification programs for seasonal equestrian staff. I mean, how many pony camps really are out there? Like you said, that just. It would be fabulous to have a list of certified instructors like, hey, guess what? You doing pony camp? I can help out. I'm CHA certified. I, and, and even for parents who are looking for a safe, reliable place to get their kids going, whether it's just for pleasure or even competitive. So maybe that's another question. Do you, um, do you differentiate between the types of uh, instructor certifications? I know you have levels, but what about right, like, discipline? We do, yeah. We, we certify our most um, prominent certification. The one that we seem to do the most is what's called our standard certification program, and that's English and Western combination. So at one clinic, which is 40 hours or five days, somebody can get certified in both English and Western all the way up to level four in each, which is our highest level in each. Um, some people come and they're more predominant in one discipline or the other, but it gives them an opportunity to respect and understand the other discipline, which is kind of fun. And then the one that you were talking about, Helena, the seasonal one, that one is um, shorter in scope. It's only a couple of days because normally those folks are coming in just for the summer program to help a camp, let's say, a Girl Scout or a Boy Scout camp or a YMCA or what have you, um, teach lessons during the summer. So a lot of those folks tend to be your high school and college students right. um, that are coming in to just help for the summer, and then they don't necessarily continue teaching after that summer. Which there's, I mean, there's always a need for these kids to come in there. You know, you have like a, a barn manager, a stable manager, or a trainer, somebody, a lot of freelance people who run these camps on their own out of their facilities, and they really need the bodies with some knowledge and some prep work. So that's the perfect... Um, now, how, let's say I'm, uh, you know, a 17-year-old high school student and I really want to help out with pony camp. Um, I understand that CHA has a certification. What do I do? What's the first thing I do? I go onto your website and I find what? Yeah, you go by clinics, either by location or by date, and then you find a clinic. Now, we can only certify you if you're 18 or above in an actual level. You okay. can only get assistant if you're 16 or 17. So just uh, so so we kind of guide people, you know, to kind of wait until they're 18 if they actually want to level. But if they're only going to assist some other instructor in the arena during their summer job, then obviously being 16 is fine as well. 
But that's nice flexibility. So you don't, it's not like you have to go whole hog. You can, you sort of have this entry level option. Absolutely. For, for the end. Absolutely. And we try to also, you know, we find that there's not a whole lot of groups out there teaching instructors how to teach. Um, so we're kind of delving into that more with our regional conferences and our international conference and some of the articles that we have in our magazine and things like that, trying to help folks even get started, realizing that, kind of like you were saying, if somebody has a bad experience at their first writing lesson ever, they might not ever be a part of our industry. So we want to make sure that they hopefully don't have a bad experience at their very first writing lesson, that it's a good one. Then they go out and buy a saddle, buy a horse, buy a barn, you know, do all that stuff. Let's bring Tara in here. Why don't you introduce Tara? Because I have some questions, I think, that relate to this for her, too. Absolutely. Um, Tara Gamble is our immediate past president of our board of directors. Um, she lives in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and she actually um, has been involved with CHA for many years. She's a certified instructor through us and a site visitor for us, and she's um, also been a speaker at numerous of our conferences in the past. Well, hi, Tara. Hi, how are you? Good. Welcome to the show. We're glad to have you. We're glad to have a Canadian on today. Great. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. Well, I want to ask you, Terry, you've been around the CHA for a long time, and the only way a group like this becomes effective is, is if there's adoption. Have you seen an increase in the adoption of the programs and the certifications, and do you see a time when it really becomes when it really becomes Kleenex, when, when you're not going to go to a barn unless it's, uh, you know, CHA certified, and you're not going to go to an instructor unless they're certified. Do you ever see that, and is that the eventual goal? I believe so, Glenn. I think you've hit that right on the head. That's um, something that's becoming more more demand, like there's more demand for that with clients. They're becoming more educated, and they're wanting the certification because what it means is that that instructor has been tested against standards within the industry, and they've met them or exceeded them. So that's a big, um, as as Helena was saying about, you know, your children going to somebody, that's something they want to ensure for the safety um, for their children, for themselves. And I believe it's becoming just increasingly more common that people are asking for that and they're wanting to, to know that you've been tested against those standards. So how do you reach out to um, the individual trainers and instructors out there? What's, what's your call to action to them? Why should they become part of your organization? Well, I think, first of all, we get a lot of inquiries because people are wanting themselves to have that. As Christy indicated, they, there's not a lot of resources out there for teaching instructors how to teach, but they want that resource. So that's sort of a first touch where somebody might be looking to get that, so they might research how they can get that. Then the second thing is just sort of um, being at trade shows, at expos, where people come up and they ask you and they say, wow, that's wonderful. You know, I never knew you existed. How do I get involved in this? And so it seems to be spreading because the word is getting out through that networking. Well, so it's not like there's a lot of convincing that needs to take place. It's just really no awareness. Absolutely. And the demand is, it has grown exponentially in the last decade. Um, as Chrissy had indicated, I've been a part of CHA for many, many years. And I could say pretty much in the early 90s, um, you know, there was your organizations that maybe had camps that required it for insurance purposes. But as riding has become more popular, especially with the recreational people, they are becoming more educated and they're seeking that. So it's just exponentially growing and the interest is phenomenal. 
And I think the other thing that's probably helping it, and Helena will relate to this, is anybody that's had horses for any period of time and has had to board at other people's barns or has taken lessons at other people's barns, we've all run into the crackpots. We've all run into the ones that shouldn't be in business. So that makes us want to try and find a place that's reputable. And I think those kinds of experiences probably help you more than anything. Absolutely. And and it just sort of helps to, to strengthen the industry. Those people that maybe were operating not at a safe level, what's happening is they're sort of becoming phased out because either people won't deal with them anymore or it's an opportunity for them to learn and grow and gain some knowledge and maybe improve. So I think it's just helped the industry overall. So can we have a reverse certification, you know, the stupid level, the studious <laughs> level, the dangerous <laughs> level, and it, we'll do a reverse certification. What do you think? <laughs> oh, you know, the other thing that Helena and I were talking about, too, before you guys came on, is we think that the students should have a level. So, like, I would be, I need a master instructor because I'm so unteachable. So every student should be certified to a level so that they're matched appropriately with the right level instructor. Like, you wouldn't want a beginner well, you, with me or we're not going to get anywhere because I'm just stubborn. So, Well, you want to know what's really neat about CHA is that actually the certified instructor can offer rider levels to the level that they're certified at. So if you were to be taking lessons with, let's say, a level three instructor, you oh. could be certified up to that level. <gasps> so you could be a certified rider? You could, you could, a level of achievement. Yes. A level of achievement. Helena loves this. She loves titles. I do. No, you know, I love, I'm a goal oriented kind of girl. Okay. I like, I like to have a gold star stamped on my test. So, and really it's just because you know what? Let's be frank here. Okay. Or Joan or Mary or whoever we want to be and say that the horse world is full of a lot of hot air. And people will say, oh, I'm this and I'm that. And, you know, my horse is <laughs> my horse is trained to second level or, you know, um, and, and this is a way to inject a little reality into what people are saying uh, among themselves within the industry. You there's you know, there's a level of consistency that I think barns don't have. Um, you have, let's say, students, riders who will ride someplace and they're great, everything's going wonderfully, and then they hit a rough spot. And because either the instructor isn't quite skilled at teaching, they might be a fabulous rider, they might be a fabulous trainer, but they're not the best teacher. Or, you know, you can have the other way around. Maybe they're a great teacher, but they just don't have the skill. So what you have then is these students who, um, they hit a wall and then they move barns. Or, um... You know, and then they start over again. And then the same thing with the trainers. You have people who come and you have people who go. So it's really hard to maintain this level of consistency with training and teaching. But if you have something like these programs that CHA offers, you, um, I think, I mean, this just might maybe me being optimistic and a little bit naive, but I think when you have this kind of standard, you create that consistency and maybe a little bit more stability among these small businesses. Am I reaching here or do you see what I see? Oh, absolutely. No, I think, absolutely I think right. yeah. mm-hmm. sorry. Yes. Yeah, no, I do. And, and I think, um, Helena, like, like you were saying, I think that that's important to kind of get the word out that this even exists and that that's a possibility because it is a voluntary certification. Um, obviously we don't mandate anything in this country. Um, then people can then say, wow, this person took the extra effort 
to go and either get their barn accredited, get certified as an instructor, or both, uh, maybe I should look into them a little bit more than I do Joe down the street that might not have that. Now, right. does that mean that every single certified instructor is going to be wonderful? Not necessarily. And does that mean that every single person out there who's not certified is going to be horrible? Definitely not. But I think that it kind of gives, like you said, the, um, the mass consumer who has a hard time differentiating between Western and English dressage and reining, let alone certified instructor or not, um, it gives them an opportunity to kind of know that, gosh, if my hairstylist has to get certified, maybe I should go to a riding instructor who is as well. Right. Boy, I hope they never certified talk show host selena we're out of job oh my god i will fail i'll never get certified fail now we'll get certified and boring <laughs> we're not boring now we just get a little too i mean you have to remember we really don't have any formal training we have lots of experience i'm a horse husband what do training. i know yes uh, but yeah nothing <laughs> hey guys um where can now if i go to the website i'm on the cha uh at chainstructors.com website and on there, you can find clinics and you can find an instructor in your area. Is that the best resource for doing that? Yes. If someone wants to find an instructor in their area, they can go to that um, chainstructors.com and then click on Advanced Search. And they can just type in the abbreviation of their province or state. And then they can also type in cities near them. And all the folks in their area will come up. Oh, cool. And then they click on them individually. And most of them have put a bio up there, maybe a photo. Um, and then they... We'll also include what level they're certified at, so you kind of know what their background is and what they're good at teaching. And, Helena, if I can just mention, I really appreciated that you were so careful in how you spoke earlier about the trainers and teachers and that you kind of differentiated between the two. Um, we certify riding instructors, not horse trainers. And even though many of us have to get on occasionally and train a horse, obviously, we're not certifying folks to be horse trainers. We're certifying them to be instructors. And like you said, some people are such good riders, they're naturally so good, but they have a hard time communicating what they do with their body in order to have success that they don't make good teachers. And sometimes vice versa. Sometimes an instructor is really, really thorough, but for whatever reason, maybe they don't train horses as well, so they go the school horse route, and they get the horses already trained and ready to go, and then they teach riders on them accordingly. Right, well, and usually you have one person who's wearing a lot of hats. So that's the other nice part yeah. about what CHA does is you you offer these modules of training and sharing for each of the different hats. Really, uh, obviously not training, but you know, um, in the in other words, you can get your facility certified. So there's standards there that you can aspire to, as well as your teaching standards that you can aspire to. So um, I just you know. I would really like to see a time when, you know, you walk into a barn and you go, what, you're not CHA certified? Um, you know, get with the program. <laughs> <laughs> but, okay. uh, I guess that, that takes some, some time and effort from wonderful people like you guys. Are we doing English, Western, the whole gamut? We are. Okay. Absolutely. And um, how we certify, though, is kind of as a whole. So if you came to a certification clinic and, let's say, you really wanted to get your jumping, that was kind of your background, um, then you could go ahead and do so in the English realm. But let's say you came and you're like, you know what, saddle seat deck is my thing, and I don't want to do jumping, but I want to do kind of the saddle seat deck route. You would still get an English certification, but it might say flat work only if you don't go down the jumping the, road. The jumping road, okay. Correct. That's interesting. And now you have the national... Uh, you have a national meeting coming up in uh, in my hometown. Yes, right there in Lexington, which is also CHA's hometown. And so tell us about that. 
Yes, it is coming up. Um, it starts on Thursday, October 27th, so just a few weeks away, and it goes until that Sunday, uh, the 30th, and it's going to be held at the Marriott Griffin Gate and also over at the Kentucky Horse Park. And what I think is so much fun about our conference, and Tara, you can go ahead and jump in here anytime you want with this since you've been to so many as well, is that participants get to ride on school horses that we provide from a local host site that are brought in. So all of our um, participants, be them instructors, barn managers, or just a general horse enthusiast who wants to come in and learn more about teaching, can actually ride with some of our speakers who we have coming in. Um, and then, of course, everyone in the audience can, can learn as well. So it's fun. So, Terry, I know you're going to be one of the speakers this year, right? See, you can't get away. You're, not, you're past president, and they're still dragging your butt back here. Um, All right. So now, tell me, what will you do? What, what, what's going to be your, your thing at the conference this year? Well, Glenn, I'm actually going to be doing three sessions. And the one that is um, going to be held over two days is a really neat one. It's going to be with another clinic instructor named Tammy Gaynor. And we're going to be talking about how to teach. So we're going to almost be doing like a mock CHA certification clinic. So what's so cool about that is somebody could come and they've registered for the conference. They can sign up for this session where they actually get to take part and learn about CHA. They learn about teaching techniques, which is things like voice projection, your group control, your setup in the arena. Then they actually get to partake as participants so that they would have some opportunity to teach each other, just like we do in a CHA certification clinic. And then because Tammy and I are clinic staff, we can give them some feedback just as if they were taking a clinic. Um, that one is really, really going to draw a lot of people because I know that they're very excited about, you know, maybe they, they have not taken one before, but they want to get certified. So this would give them an idea of what's involved and also a great resource and some feedback um, and tips for teaching. Jeez, that sounds like fun. Yes. Are you going to sign up for that one? <laughs> I might stop in. I know that uh, Christy said I'm allowed to go poke my nose in at some point. So, Oh, I, that would be great. I might, yeah. I might have to go poke my nose in and see what you guys really do over there. How many are you expecting here, Christy? Um, normally when we're in Kentucky, we have over 200. Okay. So we're looking at probably the two to 300 range. Um, we were in Kentucky three years ago, and that's, that's what we had, and numbers are right about the same. So we're really excited about that. Good. Terrific. Now, Tara, I know that you're doing your own thing up there in Canada. What do you do up there? Well, we have our own facility where I do teach group lessons. We have about 30 horses, and we offer English and Western. Primarily, I would do um, an intro level for the new people entering the industry, but then we specialize in some jumping and some reining. So it's very, very neat and diverse. Um, we try to ride, of course, when it's a bit warmer. It gets challenging in the winter with the snow. We go indoors here, but uh, very, very exciting opportunity and um, been very, very blessed to have sort of been a part of CHA at a younger age, have certification, and I always had contracted out my services. So getting my own facility was an 18-year dream. So very, very rewarding. Well, congratulations. Congratulations, yes. And I'm looking at the Thank date. You. It's October 12th, which means you'll be going indoors tomorrow. Yeah, uh, next week, actually. You're not far off. <laughs> What's your I favorite? I thought it was still June. <laughs> yeah, right. What's your favorite? Uh, I mean, what's your favorite? What's your favorite riding? For myself, personally? Yeah, for yourself. Uh, I'm actually, well, I'm quite involved with Miss Rodeo Canada. I was runner-up in the 90s. I won't 
city or so. We do a lot of raining and Western events. It was 99. She's pretty young. <laughs> You're close. Yeah. <laughs> You're close. <laughs> yeah, so that's personally where I have the strongest background, but I do a lot of teaching of English flat work as well as jumping. Hey, I, like, I love watching raining, so I'm in there with you. Do you guys get to ride for fun, though, much anymore? I mean, it's, it's hard when you're really busy, but do you make time to just get on and, and enjoy? I try. try my, my husband looks at yeah. me and he goes, you need to go east. If I've had a hard day, he'll come home and look at me and say, oh, you need to go east. We have farmer's fields east where, where I live, and I'll hop on my horse and just go. And it, it, it does help to kind of, you know, decompress a little bit from the day. So I, I try a cu- couple times a week, but I wish it was more. You know, and I, I, yeah, that's so important. It's so important for you and your horse. Uh, you know, so, it, most of the big dressage riders today and, and the eventers will tell you how important it is for them to go out once a week and just go on a trail ride with their horses. It's good yeah. for their horse's health, and it's good for their health, too. Uh, well, you know, that happens to a lot of um, people in the horse business is you, you get into horses for emotional and passionate reasons, and then once you start working in the industry, you find yourself with less and less time to actually enjoy the horses that you love so much. So I'm always interested to hear how other people squeeze in that very important couple of hours a week to keep their head on straight. Well, what I try to do too, I actually still teach lessons occasionally in the afternoon and on the weekends just to kind of keep my hands in it and not just do the admin side only. And I'll hop on the school horse before I have the student get on so that they can kind of have a visual of what that lesson's going to be that day. Plus, I can kind of tune the horse up a little bit and get the horse in the right mindset to have the student on. So I've tried to do that. And I'll tell you, that's really helped me get on my school horses more because, you know, we never find time to ride our own horses. Um, and yep. I think then they end up getting trained by the student, which can be a little frightening. <laughs> so it's not well that And way. sticking their heads through the rails and they get the grass outside the ring. <laughs> that's right. Right. Stop at the gate. Both <laughs> oh, yes. Lots of yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's terrific, guys. Thank you so much for coming on here today. Let's give out some websites. Uh, Tara's website is TG Tara Gamble uh, for Tara Gamble, TGHorsemanship.com. And then, of course, the CHA is the best one, uh, CHAinstructors.com. Yes, that, that would be the greatest way because you can still get back to our other site that way, and that's just easier to remember. Okay, good. And don't forget the conference coming up. Can people still get into it? They sure can, and it's open to anybody. So don't think you have to be a riding instructor or even want to be a riding instructor. Your general horse enthusiast who loves them can come and play with us. All right, and that's October 27th through the 30th here in Lexington, Kentucky. And you know what? It is, a, it is the, and anybody that's been to Lexington this time of year will tell you, it is the most beautiful Lexington is beautiful most of the year. It is the most beautiful time here in the fall, hands down. So come, come see us in Lexington the end of the month. Thank you, ladies. The fall season is upon us, and it's time to start thinking about your horse's blanket again. Perhaps it's time for a new one. Well, Equestrian Collections has an extensive range of blankets for all weather conditions from popular brands like Weatherbeta, Amigo, Rambo, Rhino, and they have... All kinds for turning out, stabling, when whatever it is you need, they have it. When it gets colder, your horse will be ready with a brand new blanket from Equestrian Collections. The whole universe of equestrian shopping is at your fingertips, starting with their blanket collection. And it's all at a price you can afford. If you don't believe me, just log on to equestriancollections.com and find your pony a brand new blankie. Okay, cool. 
Well, I have the Tack and Habit segment for this week, and it's a product called Winnie Warmers. And I got to admit, when I first saw this product at the show we were at, at the Ada show a little while back, Jamie and I saw this, and we said, hmm, it looks like socks for horses. And in fact, it is, it is. socks for horses. <laughs> <laughs> but they're different in, a, in that they are made specially for horses, and they're made to stay up. So they, they don't have the drop-down problem. We did a little interview with the de, uh, designer of this product, and I think that we, we hit her pretty hard with those kinds of questions. So you're going to hear that coming up. This was done at the ADA conference. My co-host on the morning show, Jamie Jennings, and I uh, did the interview. And this uh, segment, the Tack and Haggard segment, is brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products. So we're going to be right back to hear about Winnie Warmers. Joint Armor from KPP provides your horse with the building blocks necessary to maintain healthy joints throughout his lifetime. Kentucky Performance Products Quality Assurance provides you with the confidence that you are purchasing a safe, high-quality product. Your satisfaction is guaranteed. Joint Armor is concentrated and affordable. One jar lasts a whole 75 days. Joint Armor helps maintain fluid motion and flexibility in your horse's joints. It also supports normal cartilage development and reduces joint deterioration. Learn more about Joint Armor from Kentucky Performance Products and all their other terrific products at kppusa.com. That's kppusa.com. Well, it's Glenn back with you with Jamie Jennings of The Morning Show here at the American Equestrian Trade Association show. And we have Paula from a company called Socks for Horses Incorporated, and we're talking about a product today called the Winnie Warmers and the Winnie Socks for Horses, and we're going to find out about both of those. So welcome, Paula, first of all. Thank you, Glenn. And now let's talk about the Winnie Socks for Horses. Time out. Yeah. These are socks for horses. Yeah, that's like right. We're, we're saying socks, like you put them on their feet and like their S-O- legs. S-O-C-K-S. Yeah, like yes. socks. So I wanted to just point that out because when I saw these <laughs> yesterday, I thought, now why on earth would you put socks on horses? And actually, there's many, many good reasons to do it. I am sitting here in this trade show, by the way, freezing to death. <laughs> it is so cold in here. They've cranked on the AC. I live in the desert. This is god-awful in here. Freezing to death, no jacket. So I put some socks on my arms. <laughs> And I've got the winter socks on here, which really help keep the. She'll, she'll ex, Paul will explain in a second. And then I went to put the summer sock on the other arm, and it made my arm colder. I told you not to put it on. If you wanted to be warm. <laughs> I don't understand how a sock can make us colder. So let's start with the the summer socks and explain why and how and what for. Uh, great. The summer socks are actually called summer winnies. Summer winnies, right? Okay, and the summer winnie was developed to stop or help horses stop that obsessive stomping that they do when they're out in the field. They're just constantly stomping. They tear their feet, their hooves to pieces. Loose shoes. Loose shoes. <laughs> that stuff, yeah. um, Our farrier says our horse's hooves are the prettiest hooves in the entire county. Really? And, of course, they were wearing summer runnies. So we have them wearing summer winnies all the time. But the, the technology is amazing. And to answer your question, yes, they're to protect the legs from flies. But there's way more to them than that. Um, we realized that in doing that also, we wanted to put a sock that would be the best environment you could possibly put on a horse leg in the uh, summer or winter on our customers' horses' legs. And so we learned more about fiber than we ever thought we would learn. Yeah. And the summer sock that I said 
to you would not feel good if you're cold is a polyester blend of two specific fibers. One is a uh, HydroPure wicking yarn, which wicks the moisture from your arm and creates that cooling effect. It loves moisture. And so the other combination yarn is Shield, which is a... Um, <coughs> Uh, antimicrobial yarn. It contains, on an ionic level, embedded in the fibers, copper and silver. Silver is an antibacterial, copper is an antifungal. And so what you have created now around that horse's leg is this beautiful, clean, cool environment for the summer. The socks, they're, I mean, they're amazing. I mean, and the fact that they stay up, we've let out the... Um, well, they look... Yeah, I want to ask you about that. They look sure. like a, a overgrown tube sock. Well... So, and, so what is the difference? <laughs> Jamie, I think you said you actually tried tube socks. Yes, it doesn't work. They fall down. Doesn't work. <laughs> so <laughs> they, these... They never get that great the difference is these don't fall down. The difference is those don't fall down now. Okay. Now they will fall down if your horse goes out and runs and bucks for 30 minutes. Sorry, everything will fall down and many other things even come off. Yeah. But yeah. these socks, they stay up amazingly well. Um, we've they, actually had a, a guy They seem to be that, a little tighter knitted or a little, I don't know what the word is, um, than tube socks. You know, if I'm comparing them. Uh, the, you know. And you're right, I put this under my arm, it's making my arm chilly. Yeah. Isn't that Medallia's weird? crazy. That is kind of weird. Science. I know. <laughs> we, <laughs> one word. It really Science. is. It really does make my arm chilly. Wow. Um We've asked knitting machines to do things knitting machines have never, ever done before. We've captured the attention of the knitting industry in the United States. Um, the socks are, as you can see, extremely well finished. Yes, they are. Yep. The, from the point that the yarn is even spun is high tech. And this is and and there's there's a there's a flare. It's sort of like a flare, old seventies flare pants. Got to go around the hoof, right? That's that the, hoof the hoof part, right, yes. at the bottom. Okay. So we're even looking to cover the soft tissue just above the hoof wall. Okay. And so, so we want as much of the leg protected as possible. You can see that the net is that the knitting is expanded out around the fetlock and the pastern area. That allows for the free motion of the joint, that joint. Um, and then it tightens up again over the cannon. And the point being is that when you let out the knit, it allows for that free motion, so it's not stressing the sock or pulling it down. That's been a primary key point in the science of keeping it up on the leg. Mm -hmm. We're the first and the only ones to come along and create socks for horses, and we know now why we were the first. Because <laughs> it's, it's not been easy. hard. It's been hard, but we are proud of them, and... We would put them on a Queen of England's horses if she'd let us. We know these socks are all about function. We hear from people all over the country that tell us about how wounds and sores and funguses have healed as a result of having the socks on. It's not. It's because you put a beautiful, clean environment on that leg that can breathe and things heal. Yeah, I do, I do like on here that you have the disclaimer that basically don't put this on your horse's leg if he's going to kill you. <laughs> you actually have to have a, a horse that you can handle their feet, which, you know, in, in, you would think that that wasn't something that was so obvious. But a lot of people 
You need to learn, teach your horse to pick their feet. <laughs> well, no, I, I imagine they do the boot dance. You know, the boot dance after you put the boots on them before you're shipping them. They pick up them, really them yeah, and they throw them around. They must do that when they put these on. Really, we don't hear a whole lot about that, but yes, yeah. sometimes that. Uh, well, they're happen. going to. It's a horse thing. Yeah. Um, all right, now the, I, I'd like to say something about yeah. that, though, if I can. I think that um, that anybody that has a horse that's respectful. Yeah. Of them being and handling their feet, these socks will be great for them. If a horse isn't being respectful of you being around its you feet, got more problems than flies on the yeah, that's right. <laughs> Spend some money, get the horse handled on that, get trained, because yeah. that horse's whole future depends upon how willing it is to be safely around people. Right, yeah. right. You're right. You're, you're, you're investing you're ensuring in its future. It's life. Yep. Absolutely. All right, so that's the summer socks, but we also have winter socks. Now, I I get the fly thing, okay? I get why that's so important. I'm not quite sure I get the winter socks on the horse. That's a very specific market. And it's called they're called Winnie Warmers. Those are called Winnie Warmers, and they were the beginning. And, that, and Jamie is now wearing those, by the way, because yes. she's cold. That sock was created because we had an old mare that in the wintertime couldn't hardly move. She, would just, she was so cold she would stand. And we thought, well, we let's try putting socks on. But the socks would fall off. And we kept improving on the idea until finally, with the encouragement of our veterinarian and our farrier, they said, you've got to market these socks. And so we did. And But we changed her life by warming up her knees and her legs. She suffered so badly from arthritis. Uh, I see we changed arthritis. her life. That makes sense. We yeah. just warmed her up. And all of a sudden, this, this mare that wouldn't move around started long extended trots out in the pasture and cantering with the others. And we're going, and, and maybe even in the morning, we'd find a sock was gone. And then we knew we'd really done something right. Yeah. We knew we'd done it really right. When She's running so much, it ran it off. She lost a sock. We knew that we had turned her life around. Blew her socks off. Blew her socks off. <laughs> and, and doggone, it was. I mean, people just said, you have to do this. So many horses can be helped. And the Winnie Warmer is about helping horses that are suffering from I.R. Cushing's laminitis, founder, anything that impairs the circulation, or arthritis, or old bone tendon injuries. Um, but I do want to say, too, that the Winnie Warmer is also plated on the inside with the same antimicrobial yarn that we use on the summer Winnie's. Mm-hmm. And so, so now these these uh, you you put them on and it just acts like a winter sock it's would act. Warm. It yeah. looks like you know again. You uh, heated them up here, Jamie. <laughs> I did. It warmed me up. As the president um, of the company said it, he said it's like going out to the mailbox with just an overcoat on and nothing on your legs. That's how horses have to feel. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's he, true. He just said yeah. you know you you put a coat on them. Why can't you do something about their legs? Yeah. Well, these are they, they're a good product and they're interesting and. And, uh, and they come in sizes. Both of them come in sizes, so you can yeah. fit your horse. You don't have to put the try and put the pony and stretch it over a draft horse leg. So yeah. we don't yeah. carry draft horses okay. yet. Um, but I would like to say that the, the Hosiery Technology Institute here in the United States is so behind us because we're totally made in America. Okay, wait a minute. Uh, first of all, there's a Hosiery Technology Institute in the yes. United States, and that's science in this country. It's just, it's science. Knitting is science, and so this. They are helping us right now create a method for being able to knit draft size socks, which are huge. There are no sock machines around that will knit 
that are large enough to have be they a ever giraffe seen my size. feet? That's feet. They may you may need Roger. to talk to them. <laughs> but, but seriously, and so yes, science gets into this, and it's really exciting. We have people from. We've had, I think, it's just the most amazing story. How many people have jumped in to help us bring this idea into function and reality? Well, Paula, we certainly do thank yep, you. Yep. What's coming the What's by the website? WinnieWarmers.com. Okay. WinnieWarmers.com. W H I N N Y. Yeah, WinnieWarmers.com. All right, thank, thank you, so Paula. Much. You're welcome. Well, Helena, there you go. Winnie Warmers socks for your horse. I'm going to get myself some Winnie Warmers. <laughs> they and they work. I mean, they they stay up. That's the amazing part about them. Because if you were just to take, because you know, I asked about the tube. So if you just take a tube sock and put it on your horse, it doesn't stay up. You know, they don't even stay up on my legs, let alone a horse's leg. So that's what these are made for, out of that special super duper fabric she was talking about. So if you want to find that, just visit their website, winniewormers.com. And you have something for sale, too, don't you? I do have something for sale. Yes, I have a, uh, a pony for sale, as a matter of fact. Um, this is my pony. It's Pai Opa, and uh, he is a nine-year-old Arab sport horse. He is for sale his current price is listed at $6,000. He is a, 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 right now, I would call him an eventing prospect. He'd be great um, beginner, novice, novice, definitely training level with a talented rider. Um, super athletic, a lot of fun. As most of you know, I am on the ground for quite some time with a brand new ACL. And I won't be able to do any jumping or real heavy-duty cross-country riding for quite a while. So pie is for sale, and um, in in exchange, I am looking for a bomb-proof trail horse. <laughs> You're looking for a beaker like one we have. I'm looking for a beaker. Yes. Um, and so uh, we will post a link both on Facebook as well as the Stable Scoop show notes for this week to a full page. Uh, Pi has his own web page that shows photos and videos of him being schooled. Um, he really is a, just a great horse, I have to tell you. He is the easiest keeper I have ever met in my life. Yeah, just, you said your husband has taken to taking care of him, too. Absolutely loves him. He's just a really, really great horse. He's super athletic and has absolutely no business sitting around in my backyard waiting for me to get better. He needs to do something great with somebody. And um, so I'm looking for the right home for him. He does not need to go. He can stay here forever. But he is he's talented. And um, I would love to see somebody equally as enthusiastic take him on. And I know regular listeners to the show uh, you know, are going to know that uh – We've talked. We've joked about Pi. We've kidded about the fact that uh, you did your flying dismount and hurt your leg and everything. But you have you've had somebody working with him since you were injured, right? Yes, and um, it was not through his naughty behavior that he was that that I came off. We were trying new saddles on him, and. Um, I was in my barnyard and I hadn't tightened my girth enough and the saddle slipped forward and pinched and he went, ooh, ooh, ow, ow, ah, ah. And I said, oh, I must, the saddle slipped, it's pinching, let me get off. And I literally just swung my legs over like I was 16 years old, you know, vaulting off my horse and I landed on uneven ground. But um, I was by no means, my injuries by no means a result of his bad behavior. No, Not that even was close. just me picking on you mostly. 
what you do. And, and, and I'm the first one to say, um, you know, (laughs) maybe I'm a little bit too honest. Um, he's, he's definitely for a competent rider. I wouldn't put a beginner on him. Um, although my husband's been been on him with a glass of whiskey in one hand and a cigar in the other, (laughs) you know, you just never know what this horse could do. So uh, anyway, check him out. We'll post a link up on stablescoop.com and you can see all you want to see about pie au pas. Okay, great. Well, we're going to be back again next week. Uh, Wendy, my co-host on the Driving Radio Show, and I are heading out, uh, well, by this time, by the time you're listening to this on Friday, we'll be at Martin's Carriage Auction. It's one of the largest carriage auctions in the world. It happens twice a year in Pennsylvania, where I grew up. And we're heading up there. Wendy is good friends with the, with the owners of the auction because she's bought so many carriages over the years. <laughs> um, so we had him on the show on Monday, and they have – got to tell you about the one carriage they have, okay? If I had won the lottery, which I played, I played every, every time the lottery went, twice a week for the last month because I wanted this carriage, and I didn't win, so I'm not buying it. But, but they have a three-quarters completely handmade – replica of what was the what would be the one carriage from the old west that i would want not a stagecoach um oh um i cook what chuck wagon yes you got it they have a beautiful chuck wagon that this 80 year old guy made from scratch uh, and it is a complete replica. Apparently, he did a tremendous amount of research into exactly what went into these, and he has all the utensils, all the all of the old cast iron pots and pans. Uh, everything is outfitted like it would with the fifty-five gallon wooden barrels on the side to hold the water for cooking. Everything is there, and it's three-quarter size, which means you can haul it with horses rather than draft horses. <sighs> So, okay, this is now this is funny because that you say Chuck Wagon, because the very first thing I thought when you said what kind of wagon, I said Chuck Wagon, that's Glenn. And then you gave me the little clue and I said, okay, definitely Chuck Wagon. (laughs) Never having even considered, I thought Chuck Wagon was just a brand of dog food. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, which is, which is why I hesitated to like totally jump out with the Chuck Wagon answer. But now, so as we're sitting here, of course, that's how the brand of dog food got its name. Okay, well, a quick Google search on images pulls up some of the most incredible chuck wagons. These things are amazing. Yes, they are amazing. And th- this one's all wood. It's, uh, it's just a beautiful piece of equipment. And, of course, chuck wagons are utility vehicles. They're made to cook for large uh, quantities of Wranglers while out in, you know, in the, on the ranch. Well, so. it definitely reads like a Ford Explorer because, you know, you have like <laughs> you can buy one from the Great Northern Livery Company. And, of course, you know, it's got your standard features like toolbox and a driver's spring seat and tailgate boards. But then you can get options like an oak water keg, That's right. <laughs> a whip socket. Well, this has all of those. And I asked, uh, I asked Paul Martin of Martin's Auction, I said, you know, what's this thing going to go for? And he said, well, this guy has made, over the years, has made three stagecoaches, full-size stagecoaches, and this is his third chuck wagon, and he's not making any more after this. So uh, he said he expects it'll go for twenty to $30,000. Okay, and all right, so whatever chuck wagon you do end up getting when you do win the lottery, yeah. you have to get this thing called decorative hand-painted rose mailing. Do you know what that is? No, I have no idea. 
Rosemary. Okay, we'll look it up. And then this company, the Great Northern Livery Company, they have a carriage on their website that has this hand-painted rosemailing on it. Oh, oh my God. I need to own this thing. I've never – you have to see it. It's the most beautiful – this is actually a sleigh that they show on their website. But you go to this website, Great Northern Livery Company. Okay, they, you just, yeah. they just got free advertising, but <laughs> they have consignment vehicles. I'm trying to find the chuck wagon on here. Oh, where did I see the tr- carriage design directory? Express wagon. That must be like the roach coach. Oh, here's chuck wagon. Yeah, chuck wagon or prairie schooner. Oh, they do hearses <laughs> and everything else, too. This one is, the chuck wagon is $12,000. Oh, that's not too bad. No, no, it's cheaper than a car. You know, the... Um, I asked, we asked him what the two most expensive carriages to ever sell because they've been selling carriages for 40 years. And he said uh, $210,000 was the most expensive carriage. And the carriage lamps, those are the little lamps on the side. Yeah, yeah. All carriages, $15,000 each. Oh my gosh. Wow. (laughs) Well, have you seen the limousine? The vis-a-vis. I'm actually just on the, the vis-a-vis are always a larger carriage. That the vis-a-vis are a lot of what you see in the cities, you know, for the rides. But I, I'm looking big. at the vis-a-vis limousine. That is quite a quite a thing. That that's that's big. This is really cool. See, there's a whole other world of horses that you just I would never even know about if it wasn't for the stable scoop show. Well, you know what the um, the big thing now in England is funerals are going back to using horse-drawn hearses. And you're going to see, mm-hmm. if you go to their page on Carriage Design Directory, you'll see the horse-drawn hearse there. Um, and they're, they're starting to use those at funeral homes now, and people are requesting the horse-drawn hearse to go from the funeral home to the, to the cemetery. Ooh, I'm doing that. And, uh, <laughs> oh, I'm so, so doing become, that. It's become so popular that in some of the driving competitions they have over there, they have what's called a commercial class, where you bring in your beer wagons and all that stuff. And it's a pretty class, basically. And yeah. they judge you on authenticity. Well, they had to separate the hearses out into their own class because there are so many of them now. Mm. Um, so Wendy wants to, there's two hearses for sale at this auction. She wants to sit, lay in the back of one of them and get a picture. Okay. She's kind of crazy. <laughs> so. We love Wendy. I love Wendy. Look at the doctor's buggy. <sighs> if I See, was now, rich, I would learn to drive if I could drive one of these things. If I was rich, I would have a carriage collection. No question yeah, about it. I could see that. Yeah. I could I would have if I was rich, I would have a carriage. <laughs> I would have a collection. I would have a bunch of them. I think I, I might have a sled. Fascinating. I just find I really them like the sleds. Well, All right, we've been away, boring our <laughs> listeners. I know. Well, that's um, it, everybody. We will be back. I'll give you a report on the auction next week. I do want to remind you that all of the shows can be heard at horseradionetwork.com. And, and of course, be sure to uh, find all of our notes and everything at stablescoop.com. And you're going to post the thing about pie on our website, too, right? I am indeed, okay, yes. Good. Good. And, so, of course, we love your feedback. We love getting your emails. You can email Helena at Helena at horseradionetwork.com or me at Glenn with two N's at horseradionetwork.com. And you want to thank our sponsors? I do want to thank our sponsors, Equestrian Collections, Uncle Jimmy's Brand Products, and, of course, Kentucky Performance Products. We thank all of you for your continued support. We do adore you, and we adore your products. 
Also, don't forget to find us on Facebook. I know Glenn mentioned this, but I have videos of me balancing on that yoga, half a yoga ball thing of a jig jig. Oh, that we talked about last week? That we talked about last All right, week. I want to so see that. Did you yeah, put it up? It's, it's, it's up and, and the torture that my physical therapist put me through and the, the balancing. There's another balance board thing that I know Daniel Stewart will just love. So both those videos are up there from my PT session today. All right, good. I can't wait to watch those. I'm going to be watching those very soon. Yeah, I know. You'll have plenty to tease me about next week. <laughs> All right, that's it for this week, Alina. And there will be more next week. Thanks for listening, everybody.